to another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Oh, I need to do this before we go any further. Before we go any further, let's bring my guest in, Mr. Paul Guglielmo, the sauce man himself. What's up, buddy? What's going on? By the way, Strick, let me let me turn my phone off because it's it's uh I'm getting every notification in the world right now. So let's do that first. Give a um, iron smoke whiskey and ginger ale. Iron smoke whiskey and ginger ale. Yeah, and I'm Beautiful. already mad at you. To start your podcast, I'm mad at you because I wore my wheel shirt and you had to upstage me with the new wheel shirt. I had to. We have new. Let me. For those of you that are going to be listening to the podcast, what we're what we're showing now is the new merchandise. For Wednesdays with Wheels podcast. Can you believe I'm only like a I'm only like two months into the podcast that I already have merchandise. My favorite was earlier when you did a video to promote the podcast and yeah. you forgot which day it was. I did <laughs> the first word of the name of the podcast is Wednesday, and you're like, it. No. <laughs> I did. I totally forgot what day today was. Yeah, it was not my it was not the best broadcasting moment. It's like somebody saying, what's the recipe for macaroni and cheese? Well, let's see. Macaroni right. and cheese. <laughs> no. That would be like you saying, what's the name of my pasta sauce? I can't remember. I don't know. I'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> it's great. So, Paulie, good to see you. Hey, thank you for wearing Thank you for wearing uh, some merch there. Oh, hell the, yeah. The Rolling with Wheels t-shirt, which... Uh, you can still get on Amazon. By the way, um, um, let me give a shout out real quick to my friends over at Journey uh, Sportswear, I believe it is, for designing the t-shirt for me. Uh, we will have a online store up within the next week or so. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Paulie, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to so be here. So much exciting news that uh, that has been going on with you. You are now you are not uh, you are not sauce and radio man. You are strictly uh, strictly sauce man now. Strictly sauce. I'm a manufacturer now. I work at a factory now for a living. How about that? No more radio at all. I can't believe it, man. I honestly like for years and years and years, I would have told you that I would probably never leave radio, and then. Shit changed in the last year. I don't know how to explain it, you know. And I'm, it's cool. It, but it's crazy. I can't believe it. I can't believe sitting here saying that I, I don't work in radio. It is weird. So let's let's take a step back. Sure. If we let's start in the beginning. Um, you moved to Rochester because you've been working in you'd been working in radio in Ohio. Am I correct? Yep, that's right. I was in uh, working a little radio station in Ashtabula, Ohio called 102 Zoo and the um the co the company announced that they were selling the radio station that I worked for and then they said that they were going to let everybody know what the plan was for them in terms of severance. People were going to be let go and who knew what was going to happen and we'll call you in one by one. Well, the very first name that came over the loudspeaker, we had like a loudspeaker system. The very first name was Paul Guglielmo. And I thought, how is that? I'm the worst employee here. I'm the first one that they're going to let go. 
But it turned out I was one of a couple of people that they were going to actually offer a transfer to. And the transfer was to Rochester, New York. And I thought, I thought the same thing anyone from Ohio would have thought at that time. And that was New York City sounds awesome. But turns out I was wrong. It's not New York City. Spoiler alert, by the way. Rochester's not in New York City. But I swear to God, at the time that I heard I was transferring, I thought it was. <laughs> so then, then I've talked about this uh, uh, just in private, how when you first moved to Rochester, you knew no one. You knew no one. You knew no So one. you spent a lot of time at home playing video games and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Talk about how that transition was for you coming to an area where, you know, no one and, and having to sort of yeah get well, into the Rochester culture. Well, I had done it before when I was 16, I was an exchange student to Italy and I didn't know anybody and I didn't speak the language and I was, and this was before cell phones. Uh, and so that was, really isolation that was like i really dove in with that with rochester was very similar but with rochester at least i spoke the language uh you know so there was a little bit a little bit better than italy and at least my parents were four hours away if it went terribly wrong but in all seriousness when i first moved to rochester man i didn't know anybody and i didn't make friends for a long time it took me over a year i think to really make any friends I really spent a lot of time going to, I went to work and home and work and home. Basically, I lived at the 1600 East Avenue apartments. I went to work, which was downtown, right down East Avenue. And then I would drive back down East Avenue, go to Wegmans, pick up something for dinner, and then go home and sit in my apartment and play either Xbox with my friends or watch movies or whatever. And I had a hard time and I was really like starting to get pretty sad about not having a social life. And I did one of the most cringeworthy, cringeworthy things of my entire life. I remember there were some guys from work were going out, Easton Alexander. Remember, I'm 24 at the time, so I fit the profile. And for that's a perfect age for Easton Alexander. I was ready to go. And I decided to wear a LeBron jersey. That's it. Nothing under it. Just a LeBron jersey. Guns, guns ablazing. You know, I had my guns out. And I went down to East Avenue with a LeBron jersey. And that I just remember getting there and standing at a bar by myself. And I was just so embarrassed. I was like, what, the, what do I think I'm doing here? And I, and the guys that I went to meet, like, literally pieced out on me within, like, three minutes. I just stood there. And they were drank. like, yeah. They were like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, they're like, we're done. We're done. So, so then you... You're going through that period, going, you know, you're finding your way in Rochester. And is that where the sauce, like the making of the sauce? Well, I used to go to my grandpa's every Sunday. I loved going there for sauce. Um, when I first came here, the only thing I ever had going for me was that I could make sauce. Right. And so, like, if I wanted to impress a girl. That was what I would do is I would invite her over and make sauce for her. Or if I had friends, like I think when I the, when I first started working on the Wii show, like I had everyone over to my house for sauce. That's all I that's my only card I ever had to play. That was the <laughs> so, go to. Yeah, it was the go to. And so eventually I, I uh, wanted to make I turned that into a little business. But it wasn't until I had been in Rochester for about seven full years 
that I turned that sauce into a business. The first seven years, it wasn't a business. It was just me literally just making it for for friends if I could occasionally to impress a girl, but that didn't really go all that well. Although I did end up landing one. <laughs> I, you, you ended up, listen, you as I, I, you way out kicked your coverage oh, I, as we like. To oh, say, I know. Oh, I know. Trust me. I know. Although she was giving me a little shit tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm saying this because she was, I'm saying this because she's on a walk and you notice how I have to look around and make sure she's not spying on me. I get in trouble. Well, I was like, I was supposed to be doing this podcast with you at seven o'clock. And at like 6.53, she gives me a honey-do list of four things she wants me to do before the podcast. I'm like, I got to do this podcast in five minutes. She's like, just just do, just do, get this done first. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I can't do it. Anyway, I'm, you know what's good about not being on the radio anymore is I get myself in trouble less saying stuff like that. <laughs> saying because then you would. Because the one thing we know from both of us being on the Brother We Show, the one thing we show good is that we as true can be right so we yeah. we talk nothing is off limits which will sometimes get you in trouble it'll get you in trouble sometimes for sure and god knows i've been in trouble and then that's the other thing there's people you know what there are well you know what i won't miss i won't miss people who want to tattle on us you know what i'm talking about there's always someone wants a tattle you know, people want it. The second if I say that about Ryan, if I said that on the radio, she would have gotten five text messages by now. People going, oh, he's on the radio talking shit. And then she'd be texting me saying, why are you talking shit? And I would be in trouble. And that, right. that's gone now, which is great. Fantastic. Right. Take all I, the shit I want. I never get in trouble for it now. <laughs> Till she watches this on Facebook. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, I have oftentimes come home and gotten the evil eye from a family member because of something that I may have said on the air. Yeah, it happens. And then the other, wheels, the other thing is people, people, they, they twist it a little bit. They hear half of what you actually said. And then they, they creatively decide what the rest of it was. And oh, sure. by the time that it's like the game of telephone, by the time she hears it, it's not exactly what I said. That's right. all. You know. Yeah, it is. It is the worst version of, telephone you could ever play yeah um so now let's so you're you're making it for friends you're making it for family when was the conscious decision to say i think i could do this as i think i could do this as a business um in late 2013 uh i think it i don't i think it was something i had thought about for a long time right it just kind of sat in my head and i thought and thought and thought and in like late 2013, I finally just Googled, how do you even do it? Like, what do you do? I didn't know what to do. What do you, how do you take sauce, put it in a jar and it's legal to go sell it now. And I Googled it and it turns out we're really close to the food, something called the food venture center, the Northeast center for food entrepreneurship in Geneva, Cornell university, Geneva branch. And it's there that they have a laboratory where they can actually analyze your recipe and determine how to make it safe for production. And mo for the most part, then you have to have it produced in a real kitchen, commercial kitchen or a manufacturing facility. And there are a couple exceptions to that. There's like, there's some baking that you can do. Like, I think there's like, there's some, there's a couple of things you can get a, an exemption to bake at home and sell it at farmer's markets. But for the most part, you have to have a commercial kitchen. And so really what it was, was at first it was just, finding out what the first step was and taking the first step. And then, you know, and I thought, eh, no harm, no foul. And then 
the second step. And it was like, yeah, it's still, you know, it's a, the third step. And then finally, by, by the time you, you're like 12 steps in and you're like, oh, this is actually happening. And, and so that was that was sort of it. It was just something I thought about for a while because my grandpa, who the whole sauce is based on my grandpa, my grandpa actually learned from his mom and his mom during the Great Depression became sort of the sauce dealer of Connie at Ohio. She would make she would can tomatoes and sell them around her neighborhood. And so he was known as the son of the sauce maker. And then he became a sauce maker and and it kind of skipped a generation. My dad, for some reason, never took interest. And then it got to me, I guess. So then this brings up this. I Then this brings up a great question that I have. What when you. Look back at you know when when you started and where you are now. Is there any part of you that wishes your grandfather could be here to see it? Mm. Yeah, honestly, yeah, there is because of what it became. Now he was alive. He died in January 2015. We launched the business in fall of 2014. So I got really lucky with the timing. And he wasn't somebody who was sick for a long time. He was, okay. in, when we launched the business, he was still in good health. He was 91 years old. So he was old, but he was in good health still at that time. And there was no reason to think he wouldn't be around for a while still. And when he got sick, it was, you know, double pneumonia. It was like it happened in like days that he went from fine to 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 no longer with us. Um, so he did get to see it. It was really a big deal to me. I have video of the first time I ever gave him a jar. I cannot watch it. It will bring me to tears uh, in an instant. Uh, me handing him a jar. And up in my office here at home, I have that first jar that we ever poured. And he wrote on it, first jar made. <laughs> that was what he wrote. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say he wrote some like inspiring, wonderful, wisdom-filled words. But he just wrote, first jar made. <laughs> <laughs> but I have it with his handwriting. Now I have that jar it says first jar made and it's up in my office. And it's funny looking at it took us six years old. So like I, you can look at it and it's no good anymore. As you like, you do this with it and you're looking at the sauce inside. It's, it's just all clumpy. It's gross. Right. right. <laughs> but I, I'm keeping it, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's going to be a great thing for you to pass on down to, to Leo and, and uh, a family heirloom and, and yeah. to always, uh, uh, remember, uh, I will just, I just want to say this. The reason I asked you that question is because I have the same sort of feeling. Uh, both of my, none of my grandparents got to see me sort of do, I mean, I was DJing, I was doing some DJing weddings and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, some of my grandparents got to see, but none of them really got to see me, uh, on, uh, hear me on the radio. And that is something that I think about on mm -hmm. a regular basis. You know, you just wonder, you often yearn for that one last conversation you could have with them yeah. just to see what they think. Yeah, I agree 100%. How, how much did they miss it by? Oh, uh, qu uh, quite a bit. Oh, okay. Quite a bit. Quite you a knew bit. them in yeah. your life, though, right? Like you grew I up did. with them? I, uh, yeah. So my dad's, my dad's father, I did not know. He had passed away before, but all my other... Um, both grandparents on my mother's side and then my grandmother on my father's side, um, I was able to um, uh, meet and have a relationship with. And interesting, my grandfather on my dad's side was a, a newspaper reporter for the Democrat and Chronicle. Oh, no kidding. At the time, it was called the Times Union. But uh, you got uh, some journalism in your blood there. See? I got a little bit of journalism. I, yeah. I'm, much better, I'm, I'm much better with the spoken word. 
yeah. than, than the written word. Um, but yeah, so it, but it just, you know, you just wonder what they would think of, of your, your whole journey. So I think about it all the time. Yeah. I think about it all the time, man. It, I wonder, you know, you wonder, and then you go, well, is he up there? Is he paying attention? Is he not, you know, who knows? But I, I think about it all the time. Like the originally it made me like after he passed away, it made me like happy and sad at the same time. It's hard to explain because everywhere I would go and for the first bunch of years, it was literally just me and Ryan doing everything. And so everywhere I went, I would bring a cutout of him and I would have, you know, him, his face on the jars. And it was like he was there. And the other thing, and I think a lot of people can relate to this who have had a loved one passed away. You can like still hear him, you know, like I know exactly what he would say. Sure can, and it's and it's crazy how that works, you know. I will tell you a little story. Um, uh, on a side note to that, when you gave me one of the first jars of your sauce to try, yeah. I brought it home, and and uh, my, my mom makes her own sauce, and she does a very good job at that. But I brought it home, and I and I said, we we've got to try Paulie's sauce, you know. Uh, and she's like, okay, so she's making it upstairs, and you know, he, um, and. Uh, all of a sudden she comes down and she's like, Oh my God. And she's sort of got a little, she's a little misty eyed. And I'm like, oh. mom, what's wrong? And she's like, just read the story on the back of the jar of the sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is the greatest story all of all time. <laughs> yeah. And so I think when we talk about a brand, one thing that, that really connects you with people is the story behind the, yeah, people come and, to me all the time and say that they can relate. And, you know, I, those stories are a lot of times. So I write a different story for every single sauce, every jar. And mm -hmm. I, I I, don't put a lot of thought into them. To tell you the truth, I sit down and it's a burden. It's burdensome to me because it's hard because it's emotional because I write them like I'm writing letters to my grandpa. At least that's how I've done the last bunch of them. And. Okay. You know, I give him like updates on the family or I say what I've been up to. And I'll tell you the truth, man. I I will dread it for a few days because I know it's going to make me cry. And then I'll just go upstairs on my computer and I will literally open up a Microsoft Word document and just start typing and then get done with it and ask Ryan to read it for typos and then send it to the label publisher. And I almost never read it again. And every once in a while, someone will send me something like what you said about your mom, where they'll say like, Oh my God, I read the label. I can't believe it. And I'll, I'll look at it. And like the couple that reach out that speak to me are like Sunday sauce and rustic sauce. And like, if I read those labels, I'm done. I'm screwed. Like I just, I can't even, I can't do it. You know, they're just too personal. I think Sunday sauce was the one right after he passed away. And so it's a, it's about like him just passing away. And then rustic sauce was the one where I wrote him, and gave him like my cousin just had a baby. Uh, it's gonna sound corny, but the Cavs won the NBA championship, <laughs> and like I just updated him on what was going on with the whole family. Right. And oh, I can't read that, man. It's crazy. That's but that's awesome, and I think that's what 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 resonates with people. So, Paulie, then let's let's uh, talk about. I want to dive in a little bit uh, to you know people watch shows like Shark Tank. And like the profit, right? Where they go in and they they save these businesses or they start up businesses, but they, you don't really get to see the whole nuts and bolts of it all. 
So I really want to talk about what goes into taking, like, purchasing a business. A lot, a lot more than you think. Uh, Just to put it in perspective, we signed papers on April 30th. And the conversation that I had where I knew that this was happening was on January 30th. So February, March, April. So three full months. But here's the thing. And by the way, dun, 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 dun. wife just got oh, boy. home. I, see, I can see her. After. She just got home. She took Leo for a walk. Anyway, so three full months. And here's the thing about three full months. Well, anyone who's bought a house knows that's about how long it takes to close on a house. About three months from offer accepted to you're actually moving into the house. In business, apparently three months is nothing. From what I understand, our sale went very fast. But it's still, that is a long three months when you know something's going to happen and you're just waiting. And a lot of it's back and forth between lawyers and accountants and whatnot. And there's, I mean, what goes into it, Wheels? Stuff stuff you don't even, you would never think of. There were so many times throughout the process between January and April where I thought, okay, now that's got to be like the last detail, right? And then all of a sudden the lawyer will be like, well, have you considered blah, blah, blah? And I'm just like, shit, no, I haven't. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Like that happened so many times. But the nuts and bolts of it are this. Here's the hard, here's the hurdles. First of all, in my case, I purchased somebody's business, okay? So, in, so here are the nuts and bolts of it. Essentially, number one, that person has to be willing to sell, okay? That's the big thing. Number two, this was maybe the most nerve-wracking thing. After I found out that this gentleman was willing to sell his business, his name is Tony Perry, goes by Coach Tony. He's got a meat hot sauce you can buy in Wegmans. Um, As soon as I found out that he was willing to sell his business, the next thing he had to do was go to his accountant and come up with a number that he felt his business was worth. And that took a week, and that was a very nervous week because – you never know. When people are are in charge of deciding what their business is worth, they can be realistic. Sometimes people are not realistic. Sometimes people think that their brand is worth zillions of dollars. And you know, it here's the thing, like there are brands that are worth zillions of dollars. They're called Hershey's and Disney and most times like little, you know, food brands and things like it's not worth as much as you think it is. In it, for when it actually comes down to who's going to write you a check for it. So the right. next thing was him coming up with a number. And I remember going out there when he told me he had a number, said, come out and let's talk. And I was so nervous to get to the part of the conversation where he finally put out his number. Because if he said something that was just going to be out of reach, then I just knew it would be, you know, it would be impossible. But he said a number that was within reach. And then I had to figure out, okay, uh, how am I going to finance this thing? And there's always the option to go to the bank, which, by the way, thank God I didn't have to go with that option because I don't know what the pandemic would have done to that. If I had gone to a bank for this, a bank might have pulled out of the deal because this happened in like early February where I was going around trying to get the money together. And uh, I didn't want to go to a bank if I didn't have to. So I called the the only guy that I knew I wanted to be in business with if I had to be in business with somebody. And that's our mutual friend, Tom Riggio. And one of the greatest guys ever, by the way. And we'll, one of the, I want to my life, man. I want Tom and you and I in a, in a little bit. So you went to Tom. So I went to Tom. Uh, I held actually for about a, a period of about two weeks after, then we entered into a, a period of time where we signed something called a letter of intent, 
which basically means that we're going to operate in good faith. It means that he's not going to use negotiating with me as a ploy to negotiate with other people. And it also, okay. that that's kind of his promise. And it also means that I'm not using him for any reason to negotiate with other people. It means that we basically sign a letter of intent it means we're negotiating with each other, me and you, and we're going to do this in good faith. And nobody's up to any shenanigans. This is a, everything we're doing is above board. Um, so then I took about 10, 10 or 11 meetings with some um, just people who I consider to be mentors around town. Um, they are business people who I really respect the opinion of. I met with um, Donna Didi at Holy Childhood. I met with um, I met with um, Patty Phillips, who's a who's a headhunter recruiter. I met with uh, Kevin Wilmot of Wilmerite. I met with Lauren Dixon. Um, I met with uh, it, I, the list goes on. But the one of the meeting, oh Pete Seratori from um, Rochester Ledworks. I don't want to leave him out. Uh, he was actually the first meeting I had. But then finally. I knew the big meeting coming was Tom because Tom's opinion to me meant more than anyone's. And also not only did his opinion mean more to me than anyone's, but uh, he was who I was going to ask to marry me essentially when it came to this thing. Right. So, right. Um, so basically what way, happened, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a little upset that I wasn't asked to be the best man. <laughs> You can be. <laughs> you can be. <laughs> so, so what happened was, I see your mom says, "Hey, Paul. Hey, Susan. Thank you." Um, so basically, then he he and I met at Bronco one time at four o'clock. Um, all my meetings, by the way, were always at four o'clock because they all had to be very stealthy. They had to be, you know, it was we were going to be talking about things, and in some cases we met in private, but there was a couple cases where we met in public, and so I was meeting with people, you know kind of like secretively. And when I met with Tom, we met at Bronca at four o'clock and he's a partner in the Bronca business too, by the way, he's an investor there. And, um, and he, he didn't make it easy. He didn't just say, what do you want to do, buddy? And I said, Oh, I want to buy this factory. And he went, great, let's do it. Like, it wasn't like that. He asked me a lot of questions and we went through all the financials years past. And he, he really challenged me and made me answer, how are we going to, you know, how is this going to happen? How, because just like, just jumping in there and just kind of half-assing or just kind of staying course wasn't an option either. It had to be, how are we going to take this over and immediately start to grow it? And um, I guess I gave him sufficient answers, but I'll be honest with you also, he didn't leave that meeting telling me he was in. I didn't find out he was in until like the next day. I think the next day we had a phone call and you know, I, I told him, I basically, I was real nervous and I just said like, Tom, I... um. You know, I'm I'm just not sure. Should I go to like should I go to the bank or like are you gonna are you in are you in or am I going to the bank? Right. And and, and he just goes, I'm in, buddy, let's do this. And I was like, Well, that that changed my life forever. <laughs> and that could make me cry too. <laughs> uh having his expertise is huge. I'll just give you an example today. Like literally today. Okay, so Tom's role in the business is there's no like He's not a day-to-day -day guy. He doesn't come to work every day, of course. He's an investor, right? So he's invested in many different businesses, and he dabbles in them all. Um, but like, he's just an incredible resource when it comes to the food business. For anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about, this guy has a history with vitamin water, bark thins, pirate's booty, iron smoke whiskey. I mean, this guy builds major brands and has really been successful with it. And so just today, I was looking for some used equipment. 
And I struck out with a couple of my connections. And I just, I thought, well, I better check with Tom before I buy new because everybody knows you don't buy new unless you absolutely have to. And, right. uh, and, and he hooked me up with a guy who can literally build me a walk-in cooler for half the price I would pay for a brand new one. And it's all because of the connection he has and, and the, the resources yeah. he has. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and Tom, you know, it's funny. We'll just, I just want to touch on vitamin water for a second. Yeah. It's funny because everybody thinks that uh, Fitty Scent is the, <laughs> yeah. the creator of vitamin water. Right. And that, I mean, he's the, he's the spokesman. But you know, and he and they and I'm sure they took care of him. I don't know what the deal was, but he's not the guy. He didn't come to somebody and say, "Hey, I've got this water idea." No, 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 not at all, not at all. It's funny because Tom talks about. You know what's funny about Tom? Tom A talks about that about how Fifty Cent did not inv invent vitamin water, and also Tom refers to Fifty Cent as Curtis. So apparently they work together at some point. Because <laughs> if you're on a first name basis and you're calling him Curtis, hey, by the way, Kathy Riggio, Kathy Riggio, love her, love her, and I'm gonna see if I can get get Tom on the podcast in the in the near future. Oh, dude, he would be a great interview. Honestly, asking him about his his some. I mean, all those brands I mentioned. You've heard of, right? Everyone's heard of those. Of course. When vitamin water sold for a, a bazillion dollars, you know, like that was news. Everyone heard about that. And right. he was there for that. You know, he was part of that. So that's a good story. I would love to hear that. I, I, I love sitting down and talking with him just on a, a variety of topics. First of all, because he's just such a down to earth guy, too. Uh, just, you know, he's just the type of guy you could sit and have a beer with and, and joke around with. And while we're talking about Tom Riggio, let's tell the Tom Riggio story and the, the Pauly story. And Wheels was there. And we went out for your birthday, Pauly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, we had gone to a local establishment. I'm not going to say the establishment's name. But we oh, went yeah. to a, a local brewery. And I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. And I, so they pointed me in the direction of the bathroom and I went in there and uh, the bathroom lights are on a sensor, a time sensor. Well, anybody who knows me knows that it takes me a little bit of time in the bathroom. So I, I'm getting up and getting ready to get back in my wheelchair and the lights go off on me. Oh. So I think... Now you, Tom, and there was another gentleman who I'm forgetting the name. He's a food blogger. He has a food podcast. Oh, Stromy, uh, Chris Lindstrom. Chris Lindstrom. Yep. Yep, uh, yep. You were all you were all waiting outside the door for me, and I'm pounding on the door. I'm because I can't see anything to find. I can't even find the handle of the door. Yeah, that's right. For and it was so loud out there. That's the thing. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> Because Chris wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> All you heard was his voice. <laughs> you know, and finally, about five minutes later, somebody says, well, you think Wheels has done it there yet? And you came in and checked on me. And, and you're uh, like, help! Help! Uh, I looked oh. like a lost little puppy. Just Poor Wheels. <laughs> waiting for somebody to let me out at the door. I felt bad. For, I felt so bad. There was all, Do you remember also the ice cream shop in Florida? Oh my God! The ice didn't cream. I? I caused that, didn't I? Cause that where you you accidentally drove up the wall, but it was like my fault because I left your no, motor it, on. It, 
I, I mean, I love that you're like my brother and you're taking, you're trying to take the blame for this, but no, it was clearly my fault again in the bathroom and I'm going to get back in my wheelchair and I had my jet pack on at the time and I forgot to turn the watch off. <laughs> well, then I tapped the side of the wheel, which makes the jet pack go. And it literally went up the side of the wall. Yeah. Oh. And then one of one of the um, workers in the ice cream shop said to you, "Yeah, uh, I think your buddy just fell in the bathroom." <laughs> yep. They and, had to let uh, me in and everything. Well, because you remember it was one of those special doors where it only it only fogs up when somebody's in there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was one of yeah. We've oh. had some we've had some fun stories like that, Paulie. Yeah. Uh so. We'll get back to some of those in a minute, but I want to finish up with with where you are now with the sauce. Uh, so Permac, right, is the name of the is Permac the, is the is the business that we purchased. Yeah, it's it's Perry Manufacturing. As I mentioned, the original founder's name was Tony Perry. We're in the process right now of rebranding. We're going to rebrand probably in about three months, right around the ninety day mark. Um, and if you have any ideas, please tell me because we don't have any yet. <laughs> we're still figuring it out. We, we've do, been doing some brainstorming, but we haven't really, you know, zeroed in on anything yet. Um, it's a place where early stage entrepreneurs, whether you're pre-revenue or or already out there doing it, all the way up to I would say people who are are semi-professional at it. Uh, I don't. We don't quite. Try to think if we have anyone who truly makes a living at doing it. I think for the most part, we sort of can take you from idea to right about the point where you're making enough money to to make a living doing it. Um, we're growing. We have a new building. We have new equipment. We're going to be able to take you beyond that stage. But right now, there's a nice little niche there with people who are trying to figure out how to do this. Early stage entrepreneurs, restaurant owners, that's another big thing for us. People who own restaurants in town who know that they have the best salsa or the best sauce or the best marinade or the best salad dressing. Those are the type of people um, who they're working in their restaurants every day. They never get around to jarring their thing. And we can do it. We can help them extend their brand by putting their brand in stores. Um, and like I mentioned, we're growing and I'm really excited about that. We have a brand new building brand new equipment. I honestly do believe that we're going to be able to take people even a couple stages further in that process. A lot of people in this town know Ledestri, right? Wheels, you know Ledestri? Of course. Well, I, like... know, I know I know Ledestri because I've heard you speak of them quite often. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Ledestri's like the Yankees of this food business, right? They're like, they're on a whole nother level. I don't even, honestly, people say like, oh, Ledestri's your competition. I'm like, no, Ledestri is not our competition. It's like saying a little league team is in competition with the Yankees. No, we are very, we're small. We're here for the small guys and that's great. And I, I'm just, I'm hoping and I'm thinking and on paper and on the plan and the people are in the right places. I think we're going to be able to grow and become a, a bigger player. I don't mean to bring Ledestri into the conversation. I don't know that we're going to get to that point. That's another a whole. That's like a that's unbelievable. The point that they're at. But we could maybe at least get to a point where it's very um, a very good option for people. Now, so I, just because I'm I'm very much, you know, I, I don't have the business mind like you do. So when you when you say you 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 want to you at some point you'll be able to take people further. What are those further steps from what you're doing now? 
Well, I just think it's regarding batch size is what I'm talking about. So like okay. today we, we ran all day today. We ran our products and we went, we ended up with, oh, about 500 gallons of sauce um, today with what we made. And 500 gallons is, to be honest with you, is a small amount. That That would be... I want to get us to the point where if you need thousands of gallons made in a day, we can make them for you. You can do um, that. Today was 500 gallons and it was and it was a full day's work. But we have, like I said, we have a lot of growing to do. I mean, this is two weeks in and, and we're able to do that pretty efficiently. So uh, I'm excited about what the future holds. We just we got to get there. That's my job. Sure. And it's uh, yeah. and it, it, if there's one thing I know about you, it's that when uh, when you get an idea in your head. When Paulie gets an idea in his head, when he has an idea, he's going to see it through to the end. Yeah. <laughs> the best of his ability. My, I, mom, my mom always said to me, she the, her one compliment she gives me, she, she goes, you know, you really, you try hard. <laughs> That's what my mom said to me. <laughs> oh, thanks, mom. <laughs> I try hard. Did she say that to you when you were playing sports as well? <laughs> she said, I I respect, you know, she goes, hey, there's one thing I'll say about you, Paul. You you try hard. <laughs> it's kind of like when somebody says, you're very brave. Like if I wear something, and I'm not a fashion guy, so whatever I wear in public, and because you're very brave to wear that. What's that? Oh, sweatpants to a business meeting. You're very you're very brave to wear that. It's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I have what I like to call my socially acceptable sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> and they just look like, they just look, they have extra cargo pockets in them, so I feel right. like I'm I can wear them out in public and not be judged. <laughs> um, so talk to me then about what is one thing that knowing you're only, you're not, not even a month into this thing yet, but what is one thing that you thought about the business, the, a preconceived idea you had about the business that now that you've been there, you see it isn't necessarily like that if there is one of those. And what is one thing that maybe you didn't think about the business that now being there for some amount of time you've has opened your eyes to? Um, one of the answers I would say is the uh, the amount of paperwork that goes into the uh, well, quite frankly, just everything. The amount of paperwork that goes into what you're doing, the paper trail you have to create for all the product that you're putting out into the world. Um, the inspectors are there every single day and we're dual jurisdiction so we are usda and fda fda pops in quarterly as a surprise you don't get to know when they're coming um and you know that's on purpose they want to make sure that you're you're in shape and they don't want you to have a warning because if you have a warning you can pretend to be in shape so this makes it so you have to be in shape the usda is there every single day that we run any meat product usda is there the paperwork involved in that there's a lot there is a lot of paperwork um some of the safety precautions are kind of common sense you could probably you know wear gloves wear a hat right wear long sleeves but uh but the paperwork i think took me by surprise so that would be the one half of that answer and i guess the other half of that answer would be um i i didn't it's a few things i didn't realize how confusing the message would be to some people. Some people were a little bit confused as to, you know, what we do. I had a guy call me. I've had a couple people actually call me who think I'm buying recipes. Uh, that tends to be something. It's not their fault. They don't know anything about the business. They just think, oh, I've got this great dressing 
salad dressing. Um, where's my million dollar check? You can have it. <laughs> and you know, it doesn't, that's not how it works. <laughs> so I would say that. And then also the, the one other thing that has really been surprising to me has been the amount of solicitation, the amount of phone calls I've gotten from people trying to sell me something. And honestly, wheels like a couple of them have been very great. And I enjoyed talking to them. And to be honest with you, save their name and number. And if I need the thing they're trying to sell, I'll probably call them. But I've also had a couple wheels that have been a little condescending. The very first morning, the very first day, that Monday, May 4th, at like 8.31 a.m. So it was like this guy's first phone call he made. was It was an insurance guy calling me to try to sell me insurance. But the tone he took with me was like, you know, you can't do that, right? You can't do that without insurance. You're not doing that without insurance, are you? Tell me you're not doing that without insurance. <laughs> and I was like offended by this guy. I was like, are you shitting me? Like, you think I showed up? It's like, I'm going to start a factory. Insurance? Ah, who cares? <laughs> I just thought that that was the wrong tone to take. It was right. so condescending. It pissed me off, to be honest with you. Right, because you just, you just set this whole deal in motion. I mean, you just purchase this business i i would have thought that he would have at least thought you would think you think and then but then i'm too stupid i'm in i'm the idiot like i don't know why i don't just f with this guy like why can't i, I was in radio for 15 years how do i not learn to just say to this guy like wait <laughs> uh, oh no uh, spell that for me what did you say it was again it's called insure i n s you are i'm googling it right now and oh my God, it looks like you're right. You do have to have insurance. Oh no. Oh, what am I going to do? Like, why didn't I just like fuck with them? Like, I don't know why. <laughs> Damn it. Right. Now, you, this is interesting to me. You said every time you do something with meat, the US, the US, uh, what? Uh, USDA. What yep. USDA, they have to be. So is someone on site? Yeah, so basically how it works is you can run USDA anytime between 7 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. You can run it after that, but it's overtime, and then you have to pay for the inspector to come. If you do it between 7 and 3.30, you don't have to pay for them to come. It's a free service. I mean, it's paid for with taxpayer money, but it doesn't cost my factory anything. So right. they come at some point between 7 and 3.30. So there's an element of surprise there still. Because the, right. the inspectors want an element of surprise because they want to make sure that you're always operating that way and not just because you know the inspector's coming, you know? So, but you do know they're coming at some point that day. And they pop in and honestly, our inspector right now, she's been a great resource for me. I talk to her every day she comes in. I fire a few more questions at her just about, you know, like like I, I think I mentioned earlier, we're doing a walk-in cooler. We have to get a bigger dumpster. There's just like little things like that and where could a dumpster be placed has to be so many feet from the building and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I asked her, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like the worst thing, what, what could happen that would make you just like shut us down? And she told me there's some, there's some obvious stuff that would just be like illegal. Like, you know, if somebody like jumped into the sauce pot, like, of course that would shut you down. But right. as far as, as far as if we're being realistic, what could realistically happen that would cause her to shut us down? She told me, she said, the one thing that can be a thorn in everyone's side would be if we spot a pest, a rodent or something, because oh. here's a secret about the food business, uh, restaurants, food manufacturers, all of it. You, you got food. You got a ton of it. 
you're probably going to have some insects or something. And a lot of places have had rodent issues before. Now, in the 15-year history of the business that I just bought, they have not had one. Not one. But they have an exterminator who comes regularly and just, you know, walks the premises, looks for droppings, always making sure. She told me, this inspector told me, if they spot a rodent on the premises at any food establishment during an inspection, immediate shutdown, probably not going to be able to reopen for a good two weeks. And that scared me because as much as we are taking every possible precaution, there's still a little element of luck in that. Just a little bit of luck because, I mean, we're out in Burgeon. Our backyard is a giant field. You can't tell me there's not mice back there somewhere. And if one of those got into my building, I mean, that would scare the shit out of me that that could possibly happen. And again, we take all the necessary precautions. We've got the exterminator out once a month. We've never had anything sighted ever, but it still scares me. So yeah. while we're talking about safety measures and and things you do to to uh, you know um, stay keep everything safe and along those lines, let's talk about this new world we live in with the COVID nineteen. Yeah. Uh, what kind of precautions are you taking uh, at the business with your employees and and uh, and in that regard? Yeah, so there was, you know, we were considered essential. So the business never closed at any point before I took it over or since I've taken it over. Um, there, there was some of the some of the stuff uh, that any business is doing, encouraging social distancing when possible, wearing a mask. We put up a sign, you know, on the front door. We 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 want our vendors to wear masks when they enter. Uh, we don't want strangers coming into the building right now. If we don't know you, we want you to you know, ring the bell, let us know. I'll come out or someone will come out and kind of greet you and see what you're here for. Uh, definitely have to wear a mask if you're going to come in. Um, and then the other thing was just education with the employees as far as if you feel sick, stay home. I'm so happy to finally get to enforce that, by the way. This is one thing that I've sucked at my whole life. I've gone to work sick before, like with a cold, with sniffles or whatever. Mm. And I hate it when other people do it, but I've done it. Because, you know, I don't know, I grew up with like, you know, I grew up with the kind of the I grew up with the the sort of the attitude of you get up and you go to work. I don't care if you're sick. And and I have to tell these guys because these are blue collar guys, right? These are tough guys. They're tough dudes. These guys wouldn't normally stay home if they had a little couple of stuffy nose. And I had to tell them, if you wake up and you are not 100 percent, you cannot come here. You just cannot come here. And that was really it. That's the whole that's all the precautions so far. Okay. And how many employees do you have working for you at this present time? So we're at five right now. Five. five. Okay. So we, so again, we're very small, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. Cause when I talk to you, uh, you and I talk quite a bit, especially lately since I've started the new podcast, uh, yeah. venture, I've been bounced, bounce, you know, Paulie says he uses, um, several different people as his mentors and, people that he bounces ideas off of. And I've really done that with you when it comes Aww. to with to with the podcast and uh and um and uh because I really you know look everyone on that show is like family to me from Weez who brought me on the show he's like my he's like my brother from another mother you are also like a brother to me. I have often said to people, 
and I was joking about this when you your article got published about you buying the business, that yeah. pretty soon I will be able to say that I had someone put me in the shower who is a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were in the shower together a lot. And again, I'm sorry. I tried to, as I was scrubbing, I tried to get everywhere, but it's tough to get under the balls. You know what I'm saying? It's tough to get up under I mean, the balls. Uh, I really wish you had, but uh, <laughs> there's always next tech. No, on a, on a serious, on a serious note, there aren't too many people in life that you can say, I'll tell you when it really, when it really came clear to me that, that Paulie and I were going to be friends way past radio, way past anything was when the first time he asked me to go to Florida with him. And I said, well, you know, Paulie, I said, if it's not handicap accessible, I'm going to need some help. And you, my friend didn't blink an eye. You yeah. didn't, you you just said, whatever we got to do, we'll do. And that's that's what we did. And we had so much fun on both of our trips to Florida. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, you have been a, a true friend to me. And I'm so happy to see where your business is, is going and what you're doing. And tell everybody, uh, before we get into some radio stories, tell everybody real quick, you have a new podcast yourself. So uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the podcast and uh, and what it's all about and uh, where people can find it. Yeah, so I didn't uh, I didn't leave radio because I fell out of love with radio. I just kind of fell more in love with this other thing, and I still enjoy radio. Like I like doing it. And to be honest with you, every day now listening to the radio has been a lot of fun. As a listener, it's cool. It's, it's awesome being a listener. But anyway, I still like doing this. I do. I didn't stop liking this. OK, so I did decide to start a podcast um, because I think it's mandatory now. If you're, you know, if, if you're if you're like in your mid 30s and you're a male living in the United States, I think you have to start a podcast. I think that's it does. Seem like, a, doesn't it seem as, like as our good friend Opie uh, Weez's uh, Weez's protege. Right. That's the right word. Yeah. Uh, say every every douchebag. No, it's a podcast. It's so true, and I do. And uh, it's all right. So it's called Polly Guglielmo Show, and it's on. Uh, <clears throat> it's on almost all of Apple, Google, Podcast Addict. I don't know, all, like all all the apps. The only one that hasn't been approved for yet is an app called. Um, have you ever heard of iHeartRadio? <laughs> I haven't gotten approved on that one yet. We'll we'll see if that happens or not. I'm not sure, but that's the only I one. When I sent mine in, it did say that it would take up to 21 days. So Okay, all right. So maybe it's still going to happen for me. Then. So you've got some. I still have not been approved on on uh, Apple Podcasts. Okay, uh, all right. But you said that took you about eight days, right? So Yeah, probably about that. Yeah, Apple, Apple took the longest. Yeah, I'm only on like day six, so I still got a couple of days before I, I can get uh, nervous. Tell me, tell me real quick. So tell me the format of your podcast and what what you intend to do with it. Well, here's the cool. So I used to do this thing called the food and wine show on Wham 1180. And I really enjoyed doing that show. Really enjoyed it. Those were one-on-one -on -one interviews with food entrepreneurs. Um, that I started. Little, one little fact about that. I was once on your food and in, uh, wine. Show. Right. We did the Florida yeah. episode. That's right. We all, and we all, not to spoil it for anybody because you couldn't see it, but none of us were wearing shirts while we did that. <laughs> right. That's right. So I loved I love interviewing people with interesting stories, but really 
business, entrepreneurship. I love people who are um, building brands, whether it's entrepreneurship or not. Like, for example, this week, uh, this week uh, I'm interviewing Bob Matthews, who just retired from radio, Wham 1180. Uh, right. The previous week, I interviewed these two girls who started a pop-up wedding business in Rochester. Can I just um, say that was one of the most interesting uh, oh, podcasts that I had listened to, uh, just because uh, who would ever thought about doing a wedding in, in under an hour? Yeah, under an hour, under an hour, and and on a budget, right? Just a couple thousand bucks, and it's a full blown wedding. And these girls tell the story about how they come up with that. And then, of course, the the scenario we're in with the pandemic. Then they talk about how they launched their business, and about two weeks later, immediately had to shut their business down. Uh, and and the other thing is, they both work in healthcare. So we talk a little bit about. Uh, one of them works at Highland and has to go to work every single day. So we talk a little bit about the pandemic from that standpoint. The second episode was um, me talking about leaving radio. How does a kid who said he was going to be in radio forever end up deciding to leave radio? So I kind of broke that down. And then the first episode, fun fact, was an interview with Tony Perry about me. We talked about how the whole deal went. And um, that was actually when I recorded it. I didn't know whether that was going to air on Wham 1180 or not as the food show. So I actually did that as my food and wine show for Wham 1180, resigned on May 1st, gave a two-week notice because I'm a professional, damn it. So I gave a two-week notice. Uh, they basically told me, like, no, just forget about it, which is standard in media. They were like, you know, you're, you're done. But I had this show in the can that maybe needed to air. And since it had nowhere to air, I just made it the first episode of my podcast. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, who did who did your logo for the podcast? Because that's a that's a very. Um, that's I, a, I use a website called Fiverr. Do you know Fiverr? I've never heard of it. Fiverr, f i v e r r dot com. You can pay five bucks to get pretty much anything you want done. <laughs> five bucks. Really? To get, yeah, they do logo design. You can pay five bucks, and then there's all kinds of add-ons. You can pay more. I think I ended up paying a total of like twenty-seven dollars for that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a great website actually. If anyone doesn't know Fiverr, it's basically you can just say what you need done, anything you need done, and people will do it for five bucks, and <laughs> it's great. And it's I got that logo for five bucks, and then basically I asked the guy to come up with like four different versions, and then I also had him edit it twice, so that was why I ended up paying like twenty seven bucks. But yeah, okay, I was gonna say he did all that for five dollars. Oh no, yeah, so you do add so like five bucks. And you say, I want Wednesdays with Wheels logo, and they'll send you a logo, I, and you're stuck I, with it because it's five bucks. If you go back, then it's like another five bucks. If you say, well, can you just change this and change It's like another five bucks. So, But still, I, I mean, it's not bad, right? Not half bad. No, uh, like a virtual reality sweatshop. Somebody's doing it for $5. Um, actually, yeah. I think, do we have a guest appearance coming? Can we get a guest appearance, please? One guest appearance. Leo? Yes. Come on. Guest appearance. Do you hear him or no? <laughs> uh, vaguely. He wanted to have a guest appearance, and then she took him away, and now he's crying. Took him away. Well, I won't keep it much longer. Right. Uh, but uh, tell us the other exciting news about your podcast that people might be interesting to know. You had someone uh, with some big musical chops work on your, oh, yeah. your intro. Yeah, I texted Elvio, and I just asked him. you hearing that, by the way? I am hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? That really sounds like 
He really wanted to make an appearance on Wednesday. I think he did. She, she was. He was almost right to the computer where you would have been able to see him, and then Ryan grabbed him and took him away. That would have been great. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So I texted Elvio, and I just asked him if does he will he do like a custom song, and he was like, yeah. And he threw out a number, and it was you know it was not as expensive as you would think. I don't want to say it just because I don't know who what he charges who, and he, right. I certainly didn't do it for free, and I would never expect him to do it for free. Right, exactly. But it was, uh, it was, and he came up. He said all he said was what real like give me an example of a real song and i said nirvana smells like teen spirit meets white zombie more human than human and he came up with a song and it basically was that and i was like oh my god this is perfect i love the the intro song it's great uh paula i will say this to you it did surprise me that because i had listened to your podcast where you talked about that a little bit but it did surprise me that you didn't have any uh hip-hop influences in there as much of a hip-hop fan as you are well you know what when i was uh when when i was like really early on in radio and and my dream was to have my own radio show one day i always wanted white zombie more human than human to be my um intro song because when in the late 90s i used to stay up on friday nights till 2 a.m to watch ecw wrestling and i just love that how that song starts and then I just loved the way that song was. And so it was always, I always wanted that song to be my intro. Well, it is a, it's a great intro and a great podcast. And for any of you that and uh, have not subscribed yet or followed, do that and, and catch up with Polly there. You'll get your, your daily dose of uh, the, how often are you going to drop a podcast? Uh, just once a week. I'm thinking just once, once a week. week. Yeah. yeah. Once a week. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm busy with the, with the factory like it's right. it would be hard for me to try and do more than once a week but i'm gonna try and do one a week i like it i like it uh i want to touch on a quick couple other topics other sure. than sauce just just because we're buddies and we yeah. like to talk sports and, and anything all that kind of stuff uh did you see the new thing with uh major league baseball yeah what do you think well that they're talking about the july 4th uh july 4th opening which is cool. July 4th. I mean, you know, America, like what's more American than baseball? It's great. That is kind of cool. And honestly, they're getting this for once. They're getting the season right. The season should be like 82 games long. I mean, right. let's be honest. But did you see the players are pushing back on them? Because they say from what I read that they're worried about. They want to know how Major League Baseball is going to handle testing. But I think their major concern is the the cut in revenue that they might have to take. Yeah. Isn't it proposed that they're going to get half? Is that what it is? They'll get half their salaries. Yeah. Mike Trout's player, gonna, yeah. Mike Trout's going to have to get by on just $16 million somehow this year. I don't know how he's going to, I, I feel bad for him. I don't know how he's going to do it. <laughs> so, uh, that's my question to you. How do you think as a sports fan is, and specifically baseball, you're a huge baseball fan, Cleveland Indians fan. You actually have season tickets, if I'm not mistaken, right? Actually, yes, but uh, we're going to get the refund on them because my parents do not feel comfortable going to a game. So I'm actually going to get a refund for this year. Now, will you still be able to keep your tickets for next year? I mean, will yep. you still yeah, have, I have the, the I do have the option, yeah. But my, parent, my parents go to most of the games. My parents say uh, that they are not interested in going um as long as you know there's no antibody test and no treatment or whatever you know my parents are, are they're older and 
you know, they're at risk, so they don't want to go. So I don't know. Maybe I'm not a season ticket holder anymore. I know I'm getting a refund for this year, and I know that they don't know yet about next year. So, so. my question is, as a fan of Major League Baseball, does it put a little bitter taste in your mouth when you hear players like Mike Trout and some of these other big-name players that are making outrageous sums of money might be holding out because they only – they they don't want their contracts to be prorated. Yeah, and their argument is because they have to work cuz it's not like they've just been sitting home kicking up their feet. They've got a they've got they've been working to stay in shape and stay in eh, bullshit. When you make that much money, I mean there there's a certain amount of money when a person makes that they are no longer ever allowed to complain about anything <laughs> regarding their job. For me, <laughs> With people that are out of work right now or have been laid off or furloughed, whatever the situation might be, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth to hear a guy who's making as much money as some of these guys are making complain about getting their salaries cut in maybe half. Yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, honestly, let's talk about the low end, right? So what do the guys make? What's the league minimum? Do you know? It's it's like five hundred thousand or something, I think. I think so, yeah. So those guys are gonna get so two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which is a really good living in America. If you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you're comfortable, right? And sign those, up for that right now, right? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars, not bad. You're comfortable in this country with that, and not to mention they don't even have to bust their asses. Really, they get to play baseball for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And they only have to do it 82 times because <laughs> it's only half a season. So I don't want to hear any of them complain. No, it, it just, it, it falls short to me. Yeah. Uh, did you, you know, we were talking about NASCAR appears to be the first sport that's coming back. Uh, they, they're coming back this Saturday, uh, running their first race with no fans. Um, and I know I had asked you this in a previous uh uh, appearance that you made on a, a Saturday version of um, just the conversation that you and I had. But would you watch NASCAR if it's the only thing on? No, I would not. No, <laughs> no I, would you? <laughs> no. And I go to a NASCAR race every year. Yeah. I, I go to Watkins Glen, but I tell people all, all I don't go for the race. I go for right. the party and the meeting people and, and, and all. All that race is if the if the cars never started their engines, I wouldn't even. Yeah, I uh, I yeah. get no interest in. I I'll be honest with you, no interest. I thought maybe you'd get into it just because of the gambling it gives you something to gamble on. It's too hard. You either because with gambling with that, you have to pick either a top ten finish or a top five finish, yeah. or you can pick a guy to win. You know, I mean. Out of a field of of fifty cards, you've got to pick the guy that's going to come in the top five. I I wouldn't try it. I sure shit. I don't know. I wouldn't. No. no. I will. I will. I will tell you, Paulie. I did put my first wager down oh. on a sporting event. Oh. That in several months oh. the, the UFC the UFC was on last Saturday. How'd you did do? You happen to watch? Did you happen to watch? Uh, I actually did not, but even though I have Will's TV with the pay-per-view, did you yeah. win? Did you do well? I did win. I did. I picked, I, I picked the winner of the main event Nice. and it wasn't, it wasn't even a competition. It was, uh, it was, uh, five rounds of total domination. 
But it, I will tell you what it did for me. It it did show me how much I have missed the the rush yeah. of gambling on something. Will you now? Here's the thing: when baseball comes back, I know you're not the world's biggest baseball fan, but being that we haven't oh, had absolutely. sports, you're gonna be all in on baseball for a little while. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I probably will. I too. might. I might not. I might actually not fall asleep during the first inning. Oh, oh my God! One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life was. Uh, Howard Stern, when I was in college, interviewing Wade Boggs, the third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. And of it's course, yeah. the beginning of the interview. And he's like, Wade, Wade, get in here. Wade, sit down, Wade. Wade, I have to ask you something, Wade. And Wade goes, uh-oh. And he goes, oh, no, this is important. We have to lead with this. And Wade goes, okay, what is it, Howard? And Howard goes, Wade, wouldn't you say three innings is plenty? <laughs> and that always made me laugh. <laughs> three innings is plenty. Well, you know what I like to do? I like to bet the first, what they call the first half of the game. So it's the first four innings of the game. Oh, that way you can watch and then you get to tap out after four innings. Right. Yeah. Uh, And you have a better chance because you have the best pitchers going against each other. Well, I'm going to tell Ryan that you just made her write about one of her most embarrassing stories. Ryan works at Dixon Schwabble, and when she first started working at Dixon Schwabble, she was the director of first impressions, which means she was the receptionist. And she was in charge on Red... It was Dixon Schwabble night at the Red Wings game. And she sent out... She was the one in charge of sending out an email, making sure all employees knew that tonight is Dixon Schwabble night at the Red Wings game. And Lauren was going to be speaking, as she said in her email, Lauren will be speaking at halftime. Of the Red Wings game. At halftime. Yeah. 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 That's funny. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Ryan. Poor Ryan. Poor Ryan. I love Ryan. She's yeah. great. Holly, listen, thank you so much for doing oh, it. It was so much fun. Uh, I hope maybe you'll have me on your podcast. I, I, I would love to do that at Let, some point. Let's let's do it. How um, you're not getting around people yet, right? No, so we could do Zoom, right? We could, we could do Zoom. Yeah, I I'll tell you the truth. I'm not doing well with um doing radio. Like before, I left radio, and then also now with this podcast, I don't I don't love this. I mean, it's you know, it's all we have, and so we you know, it's all we can do. But to me, right. it's just there's just nothing to me that is as good as me and you actually sitting across the table from each other with microphones and talking. It's that's where you get your best stuff. There's always to me with this, there's always like just an element one notch below what it could be, how good it could be. I felt like that with every oh, yeah. interview I've done. Well, absolutely. Because a couple times during this, this broadcast, I've noticed that the, the audio has gotten a little, oh, you know, but there's nothing we can do. No, there's nothing we can do about that. I don't think, I don't think it's on either one of our ends. I just think it's yeah. there's so much information being passed back and forth with the video cameras and then the audio that I think it it it's a lot for it to handle. But like you said, it's the best we can do for now, yeah. and uh, enjoy it. And uh, I just want to say before I let you go, thank you, my friend, for always being such a good friend to me. Uh, thank you for I I know you would rather have a text. I, you know, Paulie's so busy that it's easier to text him. And I'm the kind of guy that I'm all thumbs, so I don't do well with the text. <laughs> so I oftentimes call Paulie and he will always 
call me, text message back saying, I can't talk right now, but can I call you later? I appreciate everything you've done for me. And uh, I can't wait till this is all over so you and I can uh, hang out again and get a beer and we can podcast like we're meant to podcast across from each other. And And I think, don't you think that it makes it, it's easier to be funnier when you're across from someone too. Yeah, there's like it's easier to have a conversation. Yeah, there's just something a little bit lost in translation doing it online. I mean, look, it's what we're doing. Everyone's got to do it. the Today Show's doing this. I mean, this is what you have to do right now. But there's just a little something lost in translation, I think, with this. You know, right? But uh, I, well, man, thank I, you, Paul. Those are the kindest words ever. Thank you, Wheels. You're the best, man. And you are seriously like. I, I don't I have a lot of acquaintances, but I don't have that many actual friends. And you are Oh I don't know what just happened. We lost Paulie. Let's hope he he can come back. Right in the middle of saying something nice about me too. We we lose Paulie. I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if his computer died or what happened. Maybe we'll connect back up with Paulie. Here he comes. Hold on, let me bring him back in the stream. Uh, just, 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 this when we, we were talking about biology and this is how we have to do it. Something yeah. like that happens. It did. It fired back at us. Stupid. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, uh, but, uh, but, uh, here we are. So please, you were saying something nice about me. So continue. <laughs> well, I don't remember now. I, I don't <laughs> Uh, we lost him again. I don't know why that is happening, um, but it might be a connection issue. Let's try this one more time, Pauly. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you know what ha- do you know what's happening? No, I don't. Maybe it's bad connection or something. And I hear an echo now. Maybe, maybe I gotta just go kiss Leo. All right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you've overstayed your welcome. I, I feel like this is the computer being like, hey, dude, get go. Go. Right. Well, thank, thank you, Ollie. I love you. Love thank you. you so, we'll see you soon, my friend. Yeah, man. Stay right there for me. I'm going to take you out of the stream, but don't go anywhere because I want to talk to you for a minute okay. when I'm done. Here. Uh, so let me just do this real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, that was another episode of Wednesdays with Wheels with my good friend, the sauce man, Mr. Paul Guglielmo. Um, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we have the legendary legendary broadcaster himself, Brother Weez, Alan Levin, will be joining me. We'll talk to him about stories uh, from his early radio days, how radio has changed, how he's handling um, the uh, isolation and the pandemic, all of that, and much more on the next episode of Wednesdays with Wheels. Ladies and gentlemen, real quick, uh, within the next week, there will be a link up where you can buy T-shirts like the one I'm wearing. And everyone, please stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, love one another. And we'll see you soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.